Okay, guys, I have been hinting about this for a while, so I am excited to finally share the details. On May 27th at noon, Eastern Standard Time, Darren and I are doing a live webinar for stepmoms and their partners to share our blueprint to improve your step family life. We are going to dive into it all. Our biggest challenges, lessons we've learned, how to set the foundation for step family success, boundaries, communication, dealing with the ex, keeping the intimacy alive. Like we are going to talk about everything. This is going to be live and it is going to be the best live webinar we have ever done. Seriously, Brent, my video guy is coming and he's going to use his fancy equipment and this is going to be legit. We would love to have you join. So if you want to sign up, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash blueprint, and we're going to send you all the details. Now you will have access to this recording for a limited time afterwards. So if the time doesn't work for you, if you can't make it live, that is totally okay. You can catch the replay. You can watch it alone. You can watch it with your partner. But if you want to improve your relationships, change the vibe of your home, minimize step family stress, set some boundaries, or even disengage without being seen as the bad guy, this is the blueprint for you www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash blueprint. I will see you there. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love, the kids were great, but as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard, but each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show, (laughs) to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast. All right. So you guys know I love books. If you follow along on Instagram, you know I really love books. I love reading and I love listening to audio books. I just, I love books. And I have a bit of a routine when it comes to reading. At night before bed, I typically read a fiction. Actually, I sip this cocoa mushroom drink from Four Sigmatic, and it helps me wind down and relax after whatever it is that happened that day. And then in the morning, I typically read something personal growth focused when I have my coffee and kind of have my me time before all of the kids wake up. Now, I don't do it every day, but I will say on the days when I do read something personal growth focused, I'm more focused and on track with what I'm trying to achieve and just my my head's on straight. I just, I don't get caught up in the BS. I just feel like super focused and ready to just tackle whatever it is I'm trying to tackle. Now, one of the books that I've been reading is Let That Shit Go, co-authored by Nina Purewell. And today she is on the show. You've for sure seen this book in a local bookstore. It's this bright yellow book. It's a New York Times bestseller. It is such a great read. And I'm just really excited to share this conversation with you because this is yet another episode that has exceeded my expectations and left me thinking a lot about my own life 
And I have no doubt that is going to do the same for you. Now, if this episode resonates, share it with a friend, share it out on social, help me spread the word and share the love for Nina and let the shit go. Because guys, these are the type of conversations that we really need to be having, especially right now, because things just feel kind of heavy in our world right now. So this is, this is a really important conversation to have, especially right now. Now, if you haven't already, head to iTunes, give this a rating and a review. Like I've said before, these days, my love language is words of affirmation in the form of a podcast review. I read every single one multiple times. The words mean so much to me. And this is how we continue to grow and continue to have the type of conversations that we've been having. Alrighty, let's dive in. Because let's be honest, we all have a lot of shit that we need to let go. So I'm all about inspiring you to own your choices and be the expert on your own life and improve your relationships, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like I put out some pretty deep game changing content and you want to know one of the most common questions that I get, what deodorant do you use again? Yeah. A couple years ago, I went on a mission for a natural deodorant and I found one that I love from Primally Pure, which is a female founded company that handcrafts 100% natural and non-toxic skincare products. Naturally, I shared it on my Instagram stories, and that was it. The weekly deodorant questions have not stopped since. So if you are looking for a natural deodorant, Primally Pure, I highly recommend. And I also have a discount code for you. Use Jamie10 at checkout, and you can save 10% on your order. www.primallypure.com. I use the charcoal deodorant, but there is a quiz that you can take to determine which deodorant is best for you. And they have a huge line of other natural products, which are also super amazing. So check them out. www.primallypure.com. Use the code Jamie10 at checkout. After years of requests, I finally did it. I finally added a shop my faves section on my website. This community means the world to me, and I feel like we're all friends here. And when I find a good pair of workout pants or a tinted moisturizer that I love or a hoodie that looks cute and is comfortable, I share it with my friends. So I'm now sharing it with you too. My go-to skincare products, my favorite Lululemon picks, my day-to-day outfits. You can now get the links to all my go-tos on my website. Head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash shop my faves to check it out. Nina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. I'm so excited to chat with you today. You just have so much, you're providing so much value to so many people right now. And honestly, I just feel super privileged that you're taking the time to share this with the community. So thank you. Thank you for having the opportunity for me to be on the show. I'm totally honored. You've had some amazing guests. So thank you for for having me on. Awesome. All right. So before we dive in, can you give us a little bit of um, an overview, who you are, what you're about, what you got going on, just in case, um, chances are most people know who you are now, but just in case someone's just kind of stumbling upon the book now. Yeah, sure. So I am the co-author of the international bestseller, Let That Shit Go. And I'm also the founder of Pure Minds. We do mindfulness and meditation workshops for companies and communities. Um, my main 
goal and passion is to just spread ancient wisdom, um, making it relevant and very tip and practical based for today's world. Um, and to really give people hope that through adversity or tragedy or even the day to day chaos that, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel and there's ways to find, you know, bliss and peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's true. There is now you, your I guess, journey, if you will, with mindfulness and meditation really did start from a childhood tragedy that you experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just share a little bit about, about what happened and how that has you know led you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was 16, uh, my parents were going through a uh, separation. Um, actually, my my dad was very kind of verbally and 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 a little bit physically, but uh, emotionally abusive towards my mom. And my mom, you know, she stayed in a, in in the marriage for 22 years because you know in the 90s it was very taboo, especially in Indian culture, to get to get divorced. And you know, my brother, um, who was five years younger, she kind of said, if it, once he turns 10, if this is still going on, I'm, I'm leaving the marriage. And my brother turned 10 and, you know, she, sure enough, she built up the strength and she served my dad with divorce papers. Um, my dad was shocked because he was always in control. And uh, six months after that, um, my mom and I came home from an appointment and our house was on fire. Um, my dad and brother had ended up passing away to a murder-suicide Um, and so I was 16 at the time, it's already, you know, awkward enough being a teenager and then throw all that trauma and, you know, horror on top of it. And it was a really tough time. Um, I saw child psychologists, I saw psychiatrists, I went to teen support groups and I also got into studying spirituality and ancient wisdom and, and meditation and all of the therapy helped. It was so wonderful, but ancient wisdom was the one thing that has always kept me grounded, Um, And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing, you know, the truths today, because it's helped me tremendously through that trauma and tragedy. Mm -hmm. And wow, first of all, I'm so sorry. That is just such a hard thing for anyone to go through, especially someone just that age. It's just that's that's a really that's a really important age, I think, as you're figuring things out. And it's just it's a tricky age. And I just yeah, I'm just so sorry for your loss now. Going through, how did you initially deal with that? You know, you're talking, you went to therapy, you went, you, you did all of that, but as a 16 year old, what was that, what was that like to go through? And I'm sure you can't even really put it into words. You know, it was horrible. I had so much support. Like I had tons of friends and, and family and, you know, lots of love around me, but I felt very isolated um, because, you know, I felt that nobody really understood what I was going through. So I, I remember walking the halls and, in high school and, and, and it wasn't anyone's fault, but I felt like I had it written on my forehead. Cause I could just feel like that. That's, that's the girl, that's the girl. Um, mm-hmm. so that was really tough. I spent a lot of, uh, the rest of high school in, in my guidance counselor's office, um, trying to process everything. Um, and funny enough, you know, last night I actually was just interviewed. I did a fireside chat with a prof at Laurier, which is the, the school mm-hmm. I went to. And that's been really healing for me because she, you know, I was telling her at the time, I would be in lecture and I would leave lecture and have no clue what it was about. Like I'd be sitting there and I'd be listening. I'd be present physically, but mentally I just wasn't there. And, you know, trauma and, and affects the brain, you know, so I'm learning more and more about that. But I think I was just surviving, to be honest. At that age, 
I was trying to, you know, fit in and do all the normal things that high school kids do. But now that I look back, I was, I was so lost. I was so broken. I was just, I was just surviving. I was just going. And I, I think I was like that for a good 15 years, just kind of suppressing and just, you know, surviving through it. Yeah. Trying to just go through each day and and do what you feel like you're supposed to be doing in life. Totally. Yes, exactly. Like go on that path of, you know, but I never really stopped to to acknowledge much until my thirties. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, as a teenager, you know, it's you're you're already dealing with so many awkward things like puberty and you know interest in a uh, partner and all that stuff. And on top of that, um, I was just I was trying to be normal, but deep down, I I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Now, in two thousand ten, you made a life switch. So. I obviously skipped a little bit of your chapter. So you you went into corporate, you were killing it there, doing all the things that everyone's supposed to do in life. And then yeah. 2010, you made a huge decision. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I, yeah. when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, how amazing, yeah. how brave. I just, yeah, I'm so, I'm so interested in that. Yeah. So 2010, um, I hit a peak point of stress with corporate. I was like, reporting into New York and I was, you know, on my Blackberry all the time. It was like, this was, you know, a decade ago or Crackberry as I called it, just checking emails all hours of the night. And I kind of hit this peak point of stress. And I thought, you know, is this really what I want? Is this what what life is about? Um, And an opportunity came up. There was a one year course in Northern California to study ancient wisdom and spirituality and meditation in the Redwoods. So completely isolated Um, and, uh, I decided to do it and I decided to completely unplug as well. So no internet, no access to anything, no TV. Um, I told my friends, if you want to get a hold of me, you can write me letters. (laughs) And so I sent and received 150 letters that year, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I just did something drastic. I moved, I lived there for a year. I studied, um, it was probably the most challenging, but rewarding thing I've ever done. But, uh, you know, I was just pushed to, to that point of what's really important to you. Yeah. And first of all, I bet you just have this amazing box full of letters. Like I do. do. That is such a treasure. (laughs) That is such a treasure. (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh, now. So you're there. What, what were you, what was that like? What were you learning? What share a little bit about that ancient wisdom and mindfulness and just the practices that you were, you were learning about. Yeah, so we had um, teachers, monks or swamis from all around the world come in um, and teach us for, you know, a month or a few weeks at a time. And the crux of ancient wisdom is that our true nature is happiness and it's joy and it's bliss. It's all these wonderful things, but we have, you know, so much stuff in the way obstructing us from from accessing that. So we always say the, spir- the spiritual journey isn't one to like go out and find. It's actually right within you. It's about undoing and hence let that shit go, you know, let everything go so you can experience who you are. And if you think of yourself as a toddler or an infant, you are inherently happy as we've gone into adulthood, right? We've built up all this, all this shit. And so um, everything we learned that year and we studied, you know, multiple texts and and verses from like 10,000 years ago, it was, it was incredible. Um, we had a routine where we'd get up every morning at five o'clock for meditation. We had class all day. It was pretty regimented. Um, but it all went back to learning that, you know, our true nature is bliss and 
you know, we are all, we're all one, we're all consciousness, we all are connected in so many ways, we have so many more similarities than we do differences. Mm-hmm. And then you, you come back to yeah. <laughs> life, you come back to our modern day society, what was that transition like? Yeah, that was actually pretty scary. <laughs> um, I came back and, you know, it was great that I had all this, you know, wisdom. But I was I was a little lost because I had all this knowledge and I I wanted to throw it out there. I wanted to yell it out to the world. I wanted to, you know, let people know there's all these amazing coping mechanisms to help with you mentally. But I didn't feel like the world was ready. It was still 10 years ago. Mindfulness wasn't really Mm -hmm. yoga was a thing, but like no one was really studying ancient wisdom at that time or, or meditation or mindfulness. It was very new. So I went back to corporate. I still had bills to pay. Um, I had to get back into reality. You know, there was a certain level of detachment because our teachers would always say, now that you have the knowledge, just go back, live in the world, buy whatever you need to buy, your cars, your house, but just have have those possessions with a sense of detachment. You don't need them. You're not dependent on them. So I kind of had that mentality, but I, I went back into corporate. I was the GM for an environmental startup. Um, and then then my mom got sick. Um, my mom got sick shortly after I came back and she was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's, um, or ALS. And that's when everything changed for me. I got, I got pregnant when she was sick. So I was, I was four months pregnant when she passed away. And that's when I had another pivotal moment of, okay, life is here teaching me another lesson, you know, and, and that, and and that it's life is short, life is short. You never know when you're going to go. You never know when that day is going to come. So are you really doing what you love? And, you know, that was in, that was, she passed away in 2014 and I had my daughter and then I was on mat leave for a while. I was going to go back to corporate and I thought, no, now I have, I have to do what I love. I have to just follow my heart. And that's when I I started my company shortly after that. It's true. I I love how you said that was life teaching me another lesson because I do feel like, the way I see things is that everyone is here for there's certain lessons and you you continue to find yourself in situations over and over and over again. It's almost like the universe is saying like, are you going to learn this lesson? Cause like, here's, yeah. a, here's another situation. Are you listening? You know, you need to make those changes. You keep, you keep getting those whispers. So you, sometimes they're not whispers. Sometimes they're super loud and you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, now I, now I need to make that change. Yeah, I love what you said totally. there about mindfulness though. You're mindfulness wasn't as popular, I guess, as it is now. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, and I love your face there. You're like, yeah, (laughs) what let's, can we dive into mindfulness? What is mindfulness? Cause we talk about it all the time, but what is it? Yeah. You're so right, Jamie. It's like a super sexy term right now, but what does it actually mean? Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a big intention with us writing the book is just like making all this ancient wisdom practical. Cause it's one thing to kind of read it and intellectually get it, but how do you live it? And mindfulness in, in a nutshell is the art of being fully present, right? So, so often we are physically doing something, whether we're doing laundry or the dishes or we're going for a walk, even when we play with our kids, like we're, we're physically there, but mentally we're not, we're in a million different places. And we think between uh, 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Uh, which translates to 35 to 42 thoughts a minute. Okay, so we're constantly going. And a study recently came out saying that we're aware of less than 1% of them. So our, our mind is just going, you know, and you've probably experienced this, you go from point A to point B, and you get to point B, you know, you're driving and you're like, how, how on earth did I get here? Like, how, 
you know, you don't even remember the ride or you don't even remember taking that shower because your mind was just somewhere else. So mindfulness is all about being present in everything you do. And I think that sounds very intimidating. And I think there's a misconception that mindfulness means you have to be present 24 seven, but that's impossible. We live in today's world. We live in this reality. We, we have social media, we have constant distractions. So kind of the way I think about it is it's just about little moments of, of being aware that you're not present and then bringing yourself back to the here and now. And even if you bring yourself back and you're there for 30 seconds and then the mind runs off again, that's okay. At least you've acknowledged and you're not constantly in that rumination, right? You're bringing yourself back and bringing yourself back. So mindfulness is just all about having little moments where you are fully in the here and now, because that's where you can experience true life and, and the, the present, right? Because the present is the present. Um, and, and that's where you can just be, you know, uh, in a calm kind of headspace because you're you're acutely in the here and now. Yeah, and that's hard. That's yeah. <laughs> just sitting here. It's like that is that is hard. But I like that you're saying it. Just, this is real life. This is what you do throughout the day. Because I do think there's this misconception now that to be truly practicing mindfulness, you need to be like meditating for an hour a day, or you need to be doing all of these like regimes, which mm-hmm. are great and they're very very helpful. But it's, it's about more than that. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely is. And, you know, one, one tip that I find really helpful is to, to kind of speak out loud or speak or say in your mind what you're actually doing. So when I came back from California, I was back in corporate and, you know, one of my teachers was visiting, thank God. And I said, you know, um, this whole being present thing is impossible. Like I've got a mortgage, I've got work stress, like I'm busy, like how do you actually be in the moment? It's impossible. And, you know, he kind of smiled and gave me a very practical answer. And he said, just speak out loud what you're doing or, you know, say in your mind what you're doing. So suddenly you're, you know, in the here and now. So sometimes when I'm with my daughter and I'm, you know, trying to, I'm playing with her, but my mind is on work. I'll be like, okay, now you're picking up this, LOL doll. And now you're having this conversation with her. And now you're, you know, like just really trying to get in the moment and be aware. And when my mind runs off, you know, we have a technique in the book of how to just catch it and bring it back and catch it and bring it back. And even me, I mean, I've been studying this stuff for 20 years. And there's times where, you know, I'm playing with her in a half hour span, my mind will run off 50 times. Like that's, that's okay. But the awareness of it, once you're aware of what's rolling around in there is when you can start to let it go. Cause we're, again, a lot of these thoughts that we think are so subconscious. We don't even realize the records that we're, that we're playing. Yeah. I think that's important that how you just said uh, that it happens to you, you, your mind runs off. You're, you're an expert in this space right now, but I think that a lot of people will start to meditate. And I know, I know it's been, you know, I've tried this myself and so I can't do it. I'm always thinking about this or when I'm lying in Shavasana at yoga, thinking about what I'm going to eat after and that kind of stuff. And you're like, you know what, the mindfulness isn't for me when really people need to understand mindfulness is actually something that you're constantly trying to achieve. It's, it's a process. It's totally a process. And you know, I talk about that in meditation because a lot of people, that's probably the biggest question I get. I, I can't meditate because I have thoughts. Well, you're ne- it's the mind's job to think thoughts. You know, that's a part of your meditation. I've been meditating for 15 years. I've never had a meditation where a thought or 20 or 200 haven't come through, right? So again, it's the awareness in the book. We call it the chatty mind versus the observing mind. So 
the chatty mind is the monkey mind, right? It's going from branch Mm -hmm. to branch to branch or thought to thought to thought. And that is the mind that we're so often associated with. That's the mind that we almost feel like we are, but we're so much more than that chatty mind. We have this ability to use the observing mind to just observe what the chatty mind is doing and not, not solve for it, not judge it. Just, Hey, there, wake up. There you go. Thinking about work again, or, you know, there you go worried about what you're going to make for dinner. Just focus on the walk, focus on the, the meditation, yeah. you know, just catching yourself. And, and, and the, the observing mind is like a muscle. It's like the more you leverage it, the more you're going to be able to automatically kind of lean into it. So it's just about kind of practicing that, that habit. And obviously this is super important when you're dealing with those negative thought patterns. Right. And I think that that's where I know a lot of my community and a lot of, you know, people that I talk to really struggle with because you're trying to go about your day to day. You're trying to, you know, be present, live your life, be happy, achieve your goals. And you just are consumed by the negative thoughts or the extra stress or things that you can't control. Totally. Do you have any tips for us on how to bring that back? Because you know, just feeling consumed, especially I would say as, as a stepmom and blended families, there's so many things that are outside of your control. Mm-hmm. How do you not feel so controlled by that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think, well, with the control piece, there's two, kind of two things here. One is the negative thoughts and the second is the control. So I'll start with the control piece. What a really good um, thing to do with control is is to understand, bucket things in your life into what you can control and what you can't control. Okay, be aware of that because we tend to ruminate on things we can't control often. Mm-hmm. And if you can't control it, there's nothing you can actually do about it, right? And I had a monk tell me, you know, anytime you think about something that you can't control, that's a dead thought. It's it's not going to propel you forward in any way. It's not going to drive your efficiency. It's actually energy draining. When you think about, and, and people are a big part of what we can't control. We can't control, you know, especially, you know, being stepmoms, you can't control how the mom is going to react or how they're going to come at you or what they're going to think or how they're going to perceive you. And then honestly, that's not for you to take on, but you can't mm-hmm. control it. And so there's so many things in life from, from the people we've lost, you know, nothing I will ever do can bring my mom and dad and brother back. I've lost them. So I, that's in the can't control bucket doesn't mean we can't be pissed off and we can't be upset and we can't be devastated and heartbroken. It's important to feel those emotions coming from someone who has suppressed emotions for 20 years. You know, it's important to feel those things. But again, having that wherewithal to put it in the can't control bucket and just focus again on, okay, what can I control? I can control my relationship with my stepchild. I can control how I react to this. You know, I can control how it's consuming my current relationship. I can control what can I control and shifting focus to what you can control. And again, it's really using that observing mind when the chatty mind's going on and on about, you know, the mom or the family member or whatever it is, work, uh, your child, your stepchild, whatever stress is causing, it's, it's using the observing mind and, and coming in and saying, okay, can you control this? No, you can't. Throw it in the bucket, focus on what you can control. And at the end of the day, the one thing we can all control is how we how we react to things. Mm-hmm. The other thing you talked about, I'll address quickly, is the is the negative thoughts. A lot of them are are, are constant records that we play and and subconsciously, and a lot of them have actually come from childhood, from something a parent or a sibling or a bad teacher or friend has said to us along the way, like we're not good enough or we're not worthy of this or something about our physical appearance, and we start to just believe it. 
and we start to create that you know reality and dialogue as we go into adulthood. So again, it's just about awareness. And I get a lot of my clients to write down the negative thoughts that they think. Some people don't even realize it. You know, I ask them, what's the first thing you say when you look in the mirror? Especially if you don't have clothes on, what's the first thing that you say? Are you kind to yourself? Are you criticizing yourself? What's the first thing you say when you interact with your stepchild? Are you, you know, criticizing the kind of stepmom you are? Or are you, you know, being compassionate with yourself that, hey, you know what, I'm here, I'm showing up, I'm trying my best. So if you write down the negative thoughts that you think, sometimes that brings light to it, because a lot of the times we don't even realize how, you know, we're the chapter in the book is we're assholes to ourselves. We're really mean to ourselves. We don't even realize it. It's true. And a lot of the times the stories we're telling ourselves just aren't true either, right? You know, they're not, especially, you know, even thinking about stepmom life, a lot of stepmoms will feel unappreciated. They'll feel like they or their stepkids don't appreciate what they do or their, their, their partner doesn't love them in the way that they want to be loved or all these things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get so caught up in that negative headspace that we don't stop and say, is this actually true? Like, true. actually, no, yeah. you know, maybe they're doing this right now, but that's actually age appropriate. And they're actually just kids. That doesn't actually mean they don't appreciate me. That just means that they're being a 13 year old boy, you know, like things that's like bad. that, but just even I'm always about like diving in, like, is the story I'm telling myself right now true? Cause I love what you're saying that like we just, we, we ruminate in these thoughts that are just, they're wrong. They're not, they're not true. Yeah. They're just not true. They're not true. They're not true. And I get, you know, when people write the list, my next step, you know, we have a couple steps from there, but one is to, you know, pretend you're in a court of law and fight each point, you know, let's say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a good stepmom. Well, okay. Uh, no, I go to the soccer practice. I get there. I have them over every blah, blah, blah. I cook for them all the time. I, you know, have, we have movie nights and here are the reasons why I'm not. And then, you know, that's one thing. And then you build a replacement thought, you know what? I'm a freaking good stepmom, you know? And then yeah. when that thought comes up, you replace it. The other thing you can do is take that list and show it to someone who unconditionally loves you, whether it's your partner or your sibling or parent or friend and, you know, be like, is this true? <laughs> and Guaranteed. They would probably laugh. Like they would probably laugh at how ridiculous you sound to yourself and how far oh, off sure. reality that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I was having a conversation with my husband this week. We're just super busy right now. And so much is going on. I was like, I just feel like we're not connected and we're just, we've got, I just feel like you're not loving me right now. And I was more exaggerating, but we were just kind of, you know, I'm feeling that in a little bit of a way, right? Yeah, like it's just life totally. is just crazy. He's like, that is not true at all. And I knew it wasn't true, but you know, in that moment, I'm just like, Oh, I just feel so, distant from you. But even yeah. just saying that kind of stuff out loud, you realize, no, that's totally. not true at all. <laughs> like I'm just being, I'm all up in my head. Exactly. And it's so nice that you have those conversations and you can, you know, get that confirmation that no, that's not true. I love you so much. It's crazy how, how much in our heads we can get, especially as women, we tend to do that mm-hmm. more often. Yeah. We tend to overthink. <laughs> so think just a little and be more self-critical. 100%. Yeah. So let's talk about the mind dump. I want to switch gears and talk about the mind dump because I do something similar to this. Mine's the brain dump. It's probably very, very same thing. So can you explain that to my community and uh, let us know when should we be doing this? Yeah. So when it all feels like too much mind dump, you know, when it all feels, when it feels very overwhelming, just take five and mind dump. And and I feel that this is different from journaling. I feel like when you think of journaling, like that's so reflective and, you know, whereas mm-hmm. mind dumping is simply as exactly as it sounds, or as you say, the brain dump, just 
write everything out, write everything out and don't judge it. Don't second guess. Don't even pause. And sometimes actually, because we type faster than we write, you can just get on a computer and just type it all out. And you can even do this, you know, when you're, when you're feeling really angry, when a friend has come at you, or maybe that mom, you know, um, sends an email or there's something legal going on, type it all out and don't send the email, <laughs> but just, just do not type it send out. the email. Unless you really want to, but, um, you know, it's, it's just that initial and sometimes even before you write the real email, you're going to send do that. You know, sometimes I, I, you know, I know there's angst and I know, you know, what I have to say is, 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 is defending myself or coming at this person for whatever reason. And I write the real thing, like what I would really say if there are no filters, um, that's kind of like the mind dump, you dump everything out. And then, you know, you go back and you take out all the swear words and the, you know, the inappropriate comments, and then you clean it up, but you've gotten it out of your system, you know, and, and then you tend to, you tend to, it sits, it sits in you within you less because it's kind of like writing a grocery list out. Like if you know, you have to get, you know, apples, bananas, hummus, crackers, and cereal, and you don't write it down, you're, you're repeating it in your head, right? Apples, bananas, hummus, cereal, crackers. Um, but then when you write it down, it's like, okay, it's in your purse and you don't think about it again. So that's what the mind dump does. It just kind of gives you this release. And um, again, don't judge it. And you can delete the email and you can save them. You can burn them, you know, print it out and burn it. There's so many things you can do with it to just kind of physically dispose and feel that, that release. But yeah, it's just about when things are feeling like too much, just it's an outlet, let it all out. And you can, Mm -hmm. you know, you can even mind dump to a person. If you don't, if you're not a journaler or you're not a person who writes things down, like call someone again, who loves you and can hear you out and hold space for you and just rant, you know, it's just about not suppressing, getting everything out because that's so important. Yeah. And it, and it's so helpful too, right? Like some, and sometimes you start to feel things and, and you get things out that you didn't even know you felt, Right. And it was just stuck inside and and you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I was doing a lot of of that kind of stuff. Um, a few weeks ago and I actually did a podcast on, it was all about healing my childhood wounds and I was going through and saying things and how I felt and what that was actually like and what was actually happening from, you know, an adult perspective, looking back on my childhood. And I said to my husband after, I was like, I didn't even know that I felt or that I harbored some of the things that came out because I had never given my myself a chance to just, you know, dump it, dump it all out. So I can, you know, I can vouch for that. It's just so it's freeing. And you don't realize, you don't realize the weight you're carrying until you're not carrying it anymore. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And all of this healing and all this letting go, I mean, you know, your, your, your drawer of what you can fit into your life or energetically even is only so much. And so you're stuffing it with a bunch of shit that you're holding on to, you know, the minute you start to bring that to surface and let it go and work to let it go. I mean, the stuff that you make room for is just so incredible. When I went, you know, on this journey to, to forgive my dad, you know, it was probably a two year process, but after that's when I started my business and that's when the book opportunity kind of landed in my lap. Like, it's just crazy that when we hold on to stuff, we're not, we're also blocking, we're not making room for the new to come in. So you're absolutely right. Like once you, it's so freeing when you acknowledge that it's there. And yeah, when you do the mind dump or you do certain exercises, even being aware of your self dialogue, so much will come up that you don't realize. Cause I'm telling you a lot of this stuff is subconscious and we don't realize mm-hmm. we're, we're even holding on to it. Yeah, for sure. What was that like forgiving your dad? Like how, how did you, 
Because people talk yeah. about that. People talk about forgiveness and forgiving people who have done you wrong. And, you know, there's so many, there's a huge, obviously, spectrum of what needs to be forgiven, but it can be hard. So what was that? How, how do you do that? What was that process like? It was so hard. I, well, it was, it was 20 years after the incident that I even realized I needed to forgive him. Like that was my way through. I kind of just, as I said, suppressed my emotions and I pretended he didn't exist. Anytime any trauma or anything came up, I was just like, I don't have a dad. I don't have a dad. I don't want to think about him. Um, and suddenly something hit me and I thought, I am holding on to so much anger and so much resentment and it's not impacting him. He's, he's been dead and gone. It's impacting me. And so that's when I realized forgiveness is not about the other person. It's not about, you know, it's not even about making up with that person. You can never have a relationship with them again and forgive them. It's about letting go of everything that you're holding on to. And that process was, it was hard. I, I, I'm kind of a very practical person. So I went through a pragmatic process of, you know, researching, you know, watching tons of YouTube videos and uh, TED Talks and reading books on forgiveness. And I kind of just took pieces from here and there. It's such a personal journey and it's definitely not black and white, but it's so important to first acknowledge that there's a situation or a person to forgive. And then you can kind of go from there and be really, really gentle with yourself. And I, for me, I kind of went, went at it. The, the biggest, I guess, source of healing for me was, was empathy. Um, took me a long time to get there, but, you know, just realizing that obviously he was struggling with mental health. He had depression. I think he had bipolar. There were so many things that went untreated and undiagnosed. Um, obviously, you know, there's moments now where I almost feel compassion. And, you know, I think, wow, what kind of mindset were you in to have done that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, that's one angle. There's, there's so many different, you know, ways to, to get at forgiveness, but it wasn't easy. And, and I think that's so important with letting go with letting shit go. I mean, it's this cute and fun title and whatnot, but it's not easy to let things go. You can't let things go unless you bring them to surface and you deal with them and you go to those dark places. And, you know, you probably just experienced this, you know, going through all of your childhood stuff. It's like, it's hard to bring it up mm -hmm. and to, to look at it and go to those places and remember the hurtful things that people said. But once you do that, that's when you can start to let it go. Otherwise, it just sits in you like it did for me. I suppressed and repressed. Um, until I was ready to to bring it up and let it go. So it's not forgiveness and letting go. It's not an easy process, but it's so empowering. It's so liberating when you come out the other end. Yeah, for sure. And I like how you brought up empathy because that's so important. And I talk about that a lot when I'm working with stepmoms and I'm, I'm working with people. It's just because you're forgiving someone or it doesn't mean you're, you are agreeing with what they did or how they dealt with something. Yes. It, yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not saying, yeah, no, it was okay. Like I forgive you. And I think sometimes we think about forgiveness similar to like a, someone pushing you on the playground and say, sorry, it's your friend. Okay. Like, let's move on. Like, let's be friends. That's not right. what it's about. It's about putting yourself in their shoes too. And saying, okay, what are they going through? Like, what are their wounds? What is coming up for them? Like, what are their insecurities? Because it really does come back to the whole people treat you the way people treat you is more about them than it is about you. Totally. And then you can go really yeah. deep into that. Like what was your dad going through or in our situations, like when you're dealing with step parents and, you know, high conflict 
co-parenting situations or whatever, like what is the ex going through? Like what kind of wounds are showing up for them? Like what kind of insecurities mm-hmm. and what, what's, what's bringing all this on? Cause this, people don't just do this, right? Like there's some pretty heavy stuff happening. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's you know, so where are they in their in. life? And it's, it's, yeah. And thank you for mentioning that. That's, it's not about forgiving the act. You don't, you're not, you're not giving them a get out of jail free card. You're not writing their wrong. Mm-hmm. You're not saying what you did was okay. And I'll forgive you. That's not the dialogue. It's not, you it. know? it's not it. You can forgive someone and still say what you did was wrong, which is, you know, in the case of my dad is like, I, you know, I'll never say what he did was okay or right. Um, but I, you know, again, it's not about the act. It's about forgiving so you can move on. Mm-hmm. There's a, I have a section in my course where I say when people are struggling with forgiveness, if you switch the word to like acceptance, yeah. so accepting that this is who that person is or accepting that this is their wounding and this is what's showing up for them. And this is how they view the situation or, you yeah. know, whatever your situation is. Sometimes if you just switch that word, cause I think we've been programmed to think of forgiveness as something that it, it, it's not. Right. Yeah. It's so true. And accept accepting that the situation you're in with this person, you know, mm-hmm. not just about them, but accepting also that your, your fate and your current situation is having to deal with them too. And that's part of the acceptance slash can't control bucket, you know? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Understanding that for sure. You're right. You're right. So acceptance and forgiveness totally go hand in hand. We need to differentiate where acceptance is mm-hmm. and where forgiveness is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're struggling with it. Yeah. Now you talk about the importance of understanding that we're all responsible for our own emotions. Can you dive into that a little bit? Because that obviously resonates with me a lot, but let's, let's talk about that. Why, why is that so important for people to fully understand? And I would say throwing out the buzzword, be mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're not responsible for, um, you know, what other people say to you, um, you're not responsible for how they re- react to you. You're not responsible for how they show up for you, but you are responsible for how they they make you feel. Um, and it's okay to, again, feel anger and sadness, but it's also your responsibility to move through them and to let them go. No one is going to get into your mind and heal that for you. And especially someone who is external and not going to change. Sure, they might be making you feel upset, but then what are you going to do with that emotion? Because they're not going to fix it for you. That person's not going to stop doing what they're doing, even maybe with feedback. They're also not going to fix it. So whatever's coming up for you, you know, that's your personal journey to work through. And I think this is where kind of blaming comes in as well as like, you know, only you're responsible for how you're feeling. And, and yes, people say hurtful things and that you're allowed to be upset, but what, how much of that are you holding on to? How much of that are you letting it affect you? How much of, you know, yourself, are you kind of holding back? You're, you're not being the best version of yourself, you know, when you're allowing all these people's opinions and thoughts to consume you. So once, you know, you have all these emotions, it's like, it's your, what you do with them is your, is your responsibility. That just hit me when you said you are responsible for how they make you feel like that. That's heavy, right? That that is just one of those things that I think we don't give enough thought to and enough power to, right? Like we, yes, people can make us feel a certain way, but at some point you have to take back that control. Absolutely. And, and step into your own power, you know, and that's, that's Mm -hmm. part of it too. It's just 
not playing vic- like for me i played i played victim and i had to that's just how i coped but for 20 years i played victim to my past you know and this happened to me and 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 that's okay if you need to be there and you're in that grieving process like that's that's totally fine be gentle with yourself but at some point um i had to just say okay it's time for me to take control of what's going on it's time for me to understand it it's time for me to you know to go inwards and and deal with all this stuff and stop blaming my past and you know again it was such a life change when i started to own own it all and let it go then i it was like yeah i wasn't defined by it anymore i couldn't let anybody define who i was or my past yeah for sure and that's a thing right no one's saying you can't be upset or you can't be hurt or you you can't feel these negative emotions you have to you need to process them yeah. like you're sad in a day be sad have a you know totally. i say sometimes when i get triggered or i feel really down in the dumps about something i'll say you know i'm gonna give myself half a day i'm gonna be i'm yeah. for half a day i'm gonna curl up i'm gonna like binge watch Grey's anatomy i'm gonna do whatever Love and then anatomy. i really love Grey's anatomy too that just made me love <laughs> you even more like god i love Grey's anatomy <laughs> Can we talk about how long the show has been going on? Like that is just impressive. It's ridiculous. When you go into Netflix and you see the very first season, you're like, it's for real. Like it's like been 20 years or something, but I, yeah, Yeah. I hope it never ends. Like the day. Ridiculous. How many times I've watched all the episodes too. I'm basically just like watch it over and over again, but you know, that's the thing. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to binge watch that. I'm going to be upset today. I'm going to cry. I'm, but I can't pack up and stay here. You can't pack up and stay in those places. Yes. But you know what's so powerful about what you're doing and taking half the day is you're giving yourself the permission to feel all those things so you can let go. And I actually just posted about this yesterday. What's not okay is when we're like, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Let me just keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep chugging through. It's fine. You know, the next conversation, I'll just get through. No, feel all those things, you know? Mm -hmm. And then once you give yourself permission to feel them, to have that shitty day, to take the day off, to binge watch, then you can breathe easy and move on. Um, so I think it's really, really important to pause to do that. Otherwise, yeah, you can't let it go. It's just festering and festering. And every situation that comes up around that feels bigger and bigger, you know, so it's really mm-hmm. important to take a time out and acknowledge how you're feeling. Yeah, for sure. It's about, sur- it's about surrendering too, right? And you talk a lot about that in the book too. Let's yeah. dive into surrendering because I think that that's kind of like the finale for all the things that we're talking about. How, what does it mean when you say you have to surrender to it? And, and how, do you, how do you do that? Yeah, that's such a good question and a difficult thing to do. I'm actually reading the Surrender Experiment right right now by Michael Singer. He wrote um, The Untethered Soul. Incredible book. But surrendering is all about, I think people have a misconception of like, oh, if I surrender, let me just sit here and do nothing and just surrender to life and let it all fall into place, you know, but you, you know, you still have to take action. You still have to pack your kids lunch. You still have to physically do things. But with surrender, it's not being attached to the outcome. You know, you might have goals and visions. And, you know, I talk about how my 25-year-old self wouldn't even recognize my 35-year-old self because I had all these plans of how the future was going to go, you know. And, you know, I lost my mom and, you know, so many things completely flipped on their head. And that's where surrender comes in. So, you know, for my next decade now, I'm doing my best. I'm putting it out. Like, I put the book out there. Okay, how well it does, I'm do, you know, we're doing our best to do, you know, press and get the word out there. And, you know, we wrote a book with that, it, you know, is, is basically our heart and soul on paper. But 
how it's going to be perceived, how it's going to be, how many books are going to get picked up and all that. That's now out of my hand. So that's where the surrender comes in. So still do what you love, do what's passionate, you know, what you're passionate about, um, do what's important to you, do the practical, but you know, you don't be attached to how things are going to going to pan out. And the, and the simplest thing for me, the example is like, you know, you plan a vacation, you got to book the ticket, you got to find the resort, you got to figure out where you're going, you got to do all the planning work. And then you let go if it's going to rain the whole time, it's going to rain the whole time, you cannot control that. I think we have a very false sense of going back to control of what we can control. So again, it's kind of just surrendering to, to the powers that be and it's incredible when you start to surrender because there's not that energetic push to everything has to be this way and it has to go ABC when you surrender and you let things happen. Um, it's incredible how much just starts to come to come up for you automatically in a really, really good way. Mm-hmm. It's like a sense of freedom. Like you just feel, yes. you feel free and lighter. And I know that someone listening to that may be like, that's really corny to say, Jamie, but it's true. <laughs> it really is true. I know my husband and I have just gone through things over the last, you know, eight or nine years. And we got so tied up in what the outcome was going to be and what was right and what was wrong. And, you know, if this happens and this is going to happen and just like, just, just really like consumed by all of it. And, yes. you know, I got to the point where I just said, whatever, right. Whatever happens is going to happen and we're going to be okay. Like, like we're going to get through yeah. it. We will always be yeah. okay. And I think even just having that faith, right. And saying that to yourself, 100%. what could happen? I'm, really- I'm going to be okay. You know, look at yeah. you. You've, you've been through far more than one person should go through in their life, but you're okay. You're thriving. You've, you've come out the other side, but it's that you've given yourself permission to do, do that. And you've done the work and you've surrendered to the outcome and it's just powerful. It really is. Thank you. And, you know, thank you for your kind words. And my mom used to say that all the time. She's like, at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Everything's going to be, you know, and and that's a great affirmation um, to tell yourself. But even with surrender, I find like even, even the little tiny day-to-day things in life, you know, you go, you know, to, to the store but intending to pick up something and it's not there. Like, okay, you know, it is, it is what it is. Or like all of this stuff happening with the pandemic and kids being, you know, in school and out of school and virtual school, and you can't control it. Right. So just, okay. What's it now? People are talking about September. Like, are we going to be back in virtual in September in Ontario? What's going to oh, yeah. happen? You know? Yeah. We're in and Ontario. Like, we're doing a lot of surrendering yeah. right now. Like we're on our what third. Cause a lot of people listen to this from the third States and, and all right. over. Like That's we're, yeah. we're literally in our third lockdown. It's it, talk about a shit show. It's Ontario right now, but it's a complete yeah. Freaking shit show. yeah, absolutely. But what exactly, what can, what do we you, do? What can, you, what can you do? All you can do, you've got to, you can just follow the rules and you go on with life. And if you sit in that anger, it's just going to, like if you, if you rub up against the surrender and you're like, but no, this isn't there. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Have those emotions, but don't, like you said, don't sit in that and just, okay, this mm-hmm. is what we're doing now. All right. This and, is what I can control. And, this is like, and it'll have an impact on the kids. I'm telling you, because when you just surrender and you're cool with everything, okay, you know what? Yeah. You're back in virtual. All right. We're going to figure it out. You know, this is what we're going to mm-hmm. do. We don't, we don't have a choice. You know, they are very calm in, you know, how they're yeah. perceiving everything. So it's a very powerful tool. And you're right, it's freeing because you take kind of the ego out of it. It's not you doing it anymore. It's like, okay, this is the power. This, this is, is universal. Is. However you want to talk it up, it is what it is. 
It's like that annoying saying, I think you talk about it in the book too. It is what it is. is And I remember my mom and my aunt used to say that all the time. And I was like, oh, shut up. Right. Like, oh, it is what it is. It's like, okay, mom, but it's true. Right. You actually, you talk about the book too. All the corny sayings that people say are actually so true. They're true. But you know what? I feel like our parents generation too, like, oh, okay. I'm totally generalizing here, but they, they kind of were like, is it, is it, they were quick to be like, it is what it is. And that's fine. I feel like if there is 1% that you can control, you know, mm-hmm. like if you, if you can leave the marriage, it's not, it is. My mom did, it is what it is with her marriage. Right. After yeah, in, true. In, in the abuse of her, like, you know, if there is one, I always tell people if it's, it's, if it's in the can't control bucket, it's in the can't control bucket. But if there's 1% that you can control that you can leave that job. You can leave that marriage. You can do something to make yourself happier or more fulfilled than, than by all means do it. It's mm-hmm. the, is it that it is what it is to be really reserved for like you really like someone's passed away or you really just can't control it. Mm-hmm. 100%. I like that you're saying even there's that 1%, what can you do? Is there anything that yeah. I can do to try to make this situation better? Yeah. And if it's there, do it. But I do find it really, I love that you say like, put it in your buckets. Cause I I've always been one to say like, write a list of th- all your stressors. What can you control? What can't you control? And, and then let's make a plan from there. But it, yeah. it is really therapeutic to go through and actually categorize all the things. I, again, seems super corny, but so <laughs> helpful. I, I love that you it's, share that. It's so powerful. Cause then when you're, you know, when you're observing mine is thinking about that thing, you can, that's the first thought that comes next is, Oh, it's in the can't control bucket. If you don't take mm-hmm. the time to understand and make the list, you're just yeah. always, it's always going to be, you know, there and not in a place where it's like, okay, I can't do anything about this. Yeah. You should call the can't control bucket, the fuck it bucket. The fuck it bucket. Okay. I was meant to ask you before we started recording, if I could swear, I've been like holding back the whole time, but yeah, fuck oh, it. Bucket. No. <laughs> yeah. Have at her. Have at her. <laughs> All right. All right. I should tell I'll people that before. If you want to swear. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. You truly are, you're something special and I'm so grateful that you took the time to chat with us today. Where can everyone find you? Thank you so much, Jamie, for having me on the show. I so appreciate it. Everyone can find me on pureminds.ca, P-U-R-E-M-I-N-D-S.ca. On Instagram, I'm mina.pure.minds. And between those two places, you will be able to find everything you need. Mm -hmm. And grab the book. Let that shit go. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Wow, that was a powerful conversation. Seriously blew me away. Forgiveness, empathy, acceptance, taking control of our own life. Like that's something that's been really important to me in my own journey. And I really just want to end by saying this. When you accept that you and only you can control how you feel and how you show up and what type of life you live, everything really does shift. Now, as always, I want to hear what resonated the most with this episode. I want to know what your big take-homes are. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram at Jamie Scrimger. Let me know what you think. And if you're loving the episodes but are craving more, be sure to check out my membership for Stepmoms, the exclusive Stepmom community, membership space, off social media where you can ask for support, get individualized advice in the private forum, listen to raw and unfiltered podcast episodes, check out interviews with the best step family experts, attend live Q&As, and get a copy of my monthly online magazine and discounts on coaching and upcoming offerings. 
by the way, there's something really amazing in the pipeline. So check it out. You have the opportunity to connect with stepmoms from all over the world. Seriously, thousands of women from over 30 different countries have joined in this community. It is a game changer. www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys more than you know, and I'll see you in the next one.